If you have your Bible with you, would you please open to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9 is where we're going to spend our time today. If you don't have a Bible, we'll share the passage up on the screen here in a little bit. But here's what I want you to do. Would you start bringing your Bible to church with you, please? Hard copy in your hands. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, remind me to bring my Bible next week. Go ahead. Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him. Good deal. Next week, bring your Bible with you. If you need one, we've got one for you. You just say the word. This is our business. And we will give you a Bible to take home, to keep, to read, to study, and then to bring back with you from Sunday to Sunday. Having a hard copy of God's Word open to follow along with while we work through the passage. Tremendously helpful in your understanding uh, of the Word. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 18 is where we're going to be this morning. Robert Frost wrote the famous lines, Two two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Proverbs chapter 9 puts two paths in front of us. One path is more traveled, the other is less traveled. One is wide, the other is narrow. One leads to destruction, the other leads to life. Your choice today is between wisdom and and folly, and the path you choose will make all the difference in your life. What is wisdom? We're using that word quite a bit in this sermon series in a survey of wisdom literature in the Bible. Well, when we think of a wise person in terms of a worldly definition or a cultural expression, we think of someone with lots of knowledge. They don't act rash. They make right choices. They probably have a few white hairs on their head. But the biblical idea of wisdom is quite a bit different, and it's very distinct. Biblical wisdom is knowing God and doing His will. Biblical wisdom is knowing God and doing His will. That sounds really simple, and in ways it is. However, we humans are good at making simple things complicated. Now, the passage we're studying today, like last week's passage, we studied Proverbs 3 last week. Well, this passage is a description of of how people who belong to the Lord are to live. Proverbs chapter 9 does not explicitly show us the way into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9 is salvation life material. This is how those who are in covenant with God are to behave and how to live within that relationship. Now this passage is written with a poetic bend. It takes the concepts of wisdom and folly and it turns them into people and so we will see their activity we'll hear their speeches and at the end of it all you have to choose who you will serve will you serve wisdom or folly and in fact the question is much more stark than that will you go in the way of the lord or the way of the enemy so my purpose in preaching this passage is to lead you to the path of wisdom But I can only show you the options from Proverbs 9 today. You have to make the decision which path you will follow. In order for you to make a right choice, I want to show you from this passage the two invitations that are extended to all of us, the two types of responses we might give, and the one way to wisdom. All of that in this beautiful proverb. So follow along with me as I read Proverbs chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Wisdom has built her house... She has carved out her seven pillars. She has prepared her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. 
She has sent out her female servants. She calls from the highest points of the city. Whoever is inexperienced, enter here. To the one who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat my bread and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave inexperience behind and you will live. Pursue the way of understanding. The one who corrects a mocker will bring abuse on himself. The one who rebukes the wicked will get hurt. Don't rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke the wise and he will love you. Instruct the wise and he will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and he will learn more. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be many. And years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for your own benefit. If you mock, you alone will bear the consequences. Folly is a rowdy woman. She is gullible and knows nothing. She sits by the doorway of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling to those who pass by, who go straight ahead on their paths. Whoever is inexperienced, enter here. To the one who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten secretly is tasty. But he doesn't know that the departed spirits are there that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So in order for you to make the choice to pursue wisdom in your life, I want to lay out all of your options from Proverbs chapter 9. To understand this correctly, we first have to understand the two invitations that are put before us. So our story begins with two invitations, an invitation from wisdom, an invitation from folly. Uh, Now, we have two main characters in the proverb. They are Lady Wisdom. They are Madam Folly. These are personifications of wisdom and foolishness. In the story, they are presented as women who are inviting you into their homes, and you have to decide which one you will dine with. Now, we have a full description of Lady Wisdom to open the chapter. Verses 1 through 6, description of Lady Wisdom. Description of Lady Folly is at the end of the chapter, verses 13 through 18. So we're bookended with the description of the two women. And what's interesting is that these two descriptions parallel each other perfectly. So that we have matching descriptions that help contrast one from the other. These descriptions parallel each other. They help our understanding, help us see why wisdom is preferred over folly. So let me show you the contrast between these two invitations that are always in your ear. These invitations are always before you. So let's start with Lady Wisdom. In verses 1 and 2, Lady Wisdom is described in industrious terms. She builds a house, carved the pillars, prepared the meat, mixed the wine, and set the table. She's active, working, getting things ready, preparing. But Lady Folly, or Madam Folly, on the other hand, is rowdy. It's an interesting word choice. Bible translation is a tricky business. What English word would you use to describe a Hebrew word that describes someone as loud, brash, in your face, incessant, unrelenting, abrasive? Rowdy seems to fit the bill. So Madam Folly is rowdy. We're told that she's gullible. Meaning she's surrounded by falsehood. She knows nothing. We could sum it up by saying wisdom is industrious. Folly is brainless. Next, verses 3 and 4, 
wisdom sends out a search party for you. She sends out her female servants. And from the highest point of the city, she announces her invitation. So her servants go out to look for you with an invitation to the feast. She stands and proclaims it from the highest point of the city. Her invitation is broadcast widely. And by contrast, Folly sits by her door. Her house is also at the highest point of the city, but she only calls to those who are passing by, wooing them to come inside. It has a sense of a trap that you slip into. According to verses 4 and 16, they are inviting the same people, those who are inexperienced. That's a way of describing a person who might be naive, who might be innocent in a way. Inexperience is not where you want to stay. Wisdom invites you to grow out of that inexperience, but folly invites you to stay in it. We could summarize it this way, that wisdom searches for you, but folly ensnares you. In verse 5, wisdom invites you to the feast she's prepared. She has plenty of food and wine. It's nourishment and satisfaction at her table. But folly, on the other hand, she feeds you lies. Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten secretly is tasty. You know what this reminds me of? When I read this, it reminds me of Genesis chapter 3, Eve and the serpent. Eve is in a garden of paradise in which God has provided everything she and Adam will ever need. It's all right there. And the serpent comes along with a lie and says, did God really tell you not to eat that? The only reason he told you that is because he knows if you eat that fruit, you will be like him, knowing the difference between good and evil. A lie led to the sin, led to folly, led to brokenness. Folly has nothing to feed you. She instructs you to steal from another because stolen stuff tastes best. We can summarize it as wisdom offers a feast that satisfies. Folly offers a feast of lies. And finally, verse 6, wisdom invites you to grow in your knowledge, to leave inexperience behind. She encourages you to pursue understanding. And what's the payoff? Big payoff here. You will live. Folly has a full house. Departed spirits are there. Her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Her house is hell. Wisdom leads to life. Folly leads to death. This is the contrast picture put before you of these two invitations, one for life, one for death. Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly are continually extending their invitation to you. This is not a one-time decision. It's not even something that is settled at your conversion to follow Christ. It's safe to say that daily Lady Wisdom is pursuing us and daily Madam Folly is waiting to ensnare us. The choice between wisdom and folly is put before you in many different ways, even very subtle ways in your day-to-day life. It could be a piece of gossip that comes your way. It could be an argument with your spouse in which wisdom and folly are put before you. There might be a situation at work, an opportunity for anger. All of these are fork-in-the-road moments between wisdom and folly. Which invitation are you accepting? And I don't mean in a hypothetical future. I mean here and now, surveying your life. Are you walking the way of wisdom or are you ensnared by folly? Are you dining with the dead or are you walking in the way of life? Proverbs chapter 9 
presents us with these two invitations, wisdom and folly. And then next it describes two possible responses to these invitations. But what are the two responses? Well, they're described as people. One is called the wise one and the other is called the mocker. So there's two invitations and there are two responses. Since we're dealing with these verses somewhat out of order, I want to make sure that you understand who the speaker is in the middle chunk of this chapter. The speaker from verse 7 to verse 12 is Lady Wisdom. In fact, her speech begins back in verse 5. Uh, Verse 5 to verse 12 is the invitation of Lady Wisdom. It's her description of the benefits of accepting her invitation, the consequences of rejecting it. So she has a long speech there. Madam Folly does not have the same kind of speech. So what we read here in verses 7 through 9 uh, is from Lady Wisdom. And in these verses, we find benefits and warnings in her descriptions of the two types of people who respond in two different ways to these invitations. So one person who responds positively to her is called the wise one. The one who rejects her invitation is called the mocker. Now, when we think of the word mocker, it's not a word we use a lot. It's not common in our vocabulary. But what we might think of is someone who insults another person mainly through some sort of a derogatory impersonation. But the biblical mocker is quite a bit different from our cultural mocker. And I just pulled a few references from the book of Proverbs itself to help us understand what this person is like. Let me show you. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, we're told that the mocker is not wise. It's a foolish person. Proverbs 21, 24, the mocker acts with excessive arrogance. Proverbs 24, 9, the mocker is detestable. To people, No one likes this person. Proverbs 29, 8, the mocker incites people to anger. So the biblical mocker is foolish, arrogant, does not have favor with God and man, and incites anger in others. So with this in mind, look with me back at verses 7 and 8. Lady Wisdom says this, The one who corrects a mocker will bring abuse on himself. The one who rebukes the wicked will get hurt. Don't rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Now, at first glance, these verses feel disjointed. We've just had six verses of description of Lady Wisdom. And then we get to some instructions on how to handle a mocker. And that's what this seems to be. It seems to be telling us when you come face to face with a mocker, here's what to expect. And in other words, see a mocker, avoid a mocker. Now, while that may be generally true, that's not the concern with verses 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8 are not helping us identify whether or not other people are mockers. It's helping us identify if we are mockers. How do we respond when correction and instruction from the Lord come our way? And so when we read verses 7 and 8, we read it like we're looking into a mirror. And if we see our reflection there, we have our answer. So according to Proverbs chapter 9, what are the characteristics of a mocker? Let me show you. In verse 7, the one who corrects a mocker will bring abuse on himself. So mockers insult those who come in love. Also verse 7, the one who rebukes the wicked will get hurt. They abuse their advisors. In verse 8, don't rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Mockers hate those who correct them. 
They abuse those who come in love. It reminds me of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, which tells us the Word of God is profitable for rebuke. That word rebuke means correction, instruction. It's, it's a good word. It, it has a good end. It's steering a person away from error into truth. But if you're a mocker, you don't see the value in the rebuke of the Word of God or His people. The result is you resist the conviction and correction of God the Holy Spirit. What's more, you live in fake relationships with people who are scared to be honest with you. You have attacked them when they've tried to correct you. They've told you your anger's out of control, or you drink too much, or you spend too much, or you're hurting people with your actions. And your response has been anger and then flipping the script so that you become the victim in this. And so the people in your life are choosing the way of self-preservation not to confront you in order to keep peace at any cost. And that means leaving you in your foolishness. Now, By contrast, Lady Wisdom describes the wise person, the one who responds to her invitation. That person, according to verse 8, rebuke the wise and he will love you. The wise person loves those who correct him. Verse 9, instruct the wise. He will be wiser still. The wise one grows in wisdom. Teach the righteous and he will learn more. He increases in his righteousness. The wise person does not take offense at godly rebuke. Even when that rebuke is difficult or personal. Rather, the wise person recognizes there's love in the correction. Don't you remember this from last week? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. So when you look into these verses as if they were a mirror, what sort of reflection do you see? Wise people will recognize that our sanctification is not complete. That there are areas of our lives in which we need the Lord's correction. Mockers will look at these words and say, there's nothing here for me. But I know some people that need to read this. So far, we've been given two invitations. Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly. Two different responses. The wise one and the mocker. Finally, Lady Wisdom describes for us the one way to wisdom. Verses 7 through 9 were diagnostic, helping us to identify our problem, but they don't give us the solution. Verses 10, 11, and 12 give us the solution. How can we avoid foolishness? How can we turn from being mockers? How can we feast at wisdom's table? Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be many, years will be added to your life. If you're wise, you're wise to your own benefit. If you mock, you alone will bear the consequences. So wisdom is not gained automatically through years of living. I have known young fools and old fools. I have been a young fool. I will be an old fool. It's not birthdays that makes one wise. It's knowing God. It's the fear of the Lord. And just to be clear, wisdom is not found just by knowing a God as if religion in general produces wisdom in people. True wisdom is the exclusive property of the God of the Bible. So what does it look like to fear the Lord? Well, again, we spoke about this last week. The fear of God 
That's what it looks like. It looks like humble, reverential submission to Him. It's evidenced by worship and obedience. Verse 10 also tells us the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So wisdom comes from fearing and knowing the Lord. Mockers do not fear God. They love themselves. They're not increasing in their knowledge of Him. They're increasing in their experiences and foolishness. And then verse 11 gives us the payoff. Why would I fear the Lord and know Him? Verse 11, For by me your days will be many and years will be added to your life. Do you remember the rules for reading Proverbs we talked about last week? One of those rules was this. Proverbs are not guarantees. If we read them as a guarantee or as a promise that will always come true, we're asking something of the literature that the literature does not intend to produce. So is it a guarantee that if you choose the way of wisdom that you will have triple-digit birthdays? No, that's not the guarantee here. But we do know this. Those who walk with the Lord have an inheritance waiting for them by faith in Jesus Christ. Eternal life belongs to every child of God. An abundant life in the here and now is ours through Him in however many days He gives us. So if we find ourselves walking the way of foolishness, this passage calls us back to the fear and knowledge of the Lord. And when we come in humble submission, we'll find our God to be what He's always been, merciful, gracious, and compassionate to sinners. This passage is far from a scolding. It is reassurance of God's amazing love. What has Proverbs chapter 9 shown us today? It has shown us the two invitations that are ever before us. Invitations from Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly. It has shown us that our response to these invitations either makes us a wise person or a mocker. And finally, it's shown us that the one way to wisdom is through a true and trusting relationship with our God. Now, it's essential that we take this from the theoretical to the practical. So let's imagine a few scenarios where wisdom and folly are put before us. You've been wronged by someone in your past. They've hurt you even intentionally. And you know Scripture tells you to forgive them and release them from the debt they owe you. But you choose instead to cling to bitterness and anger. And Madam Folly says, Welcome in. A new person, not your spouse, has your attention. And this person seems to understand you better than anyone. And so you begin to give yourself to this person. You can't remember the last time you were this excited. And Madame Folly says, See, I told you, stolen water is sweet. Christians, especially those who are black or belong to other minority cultures, are telling us that racism is real at both a personal level and a systemic level and something must change. But you respond by thinking, this is just a hoax inflamed by the media, perpetuated by people who want a handout and no one can tell me any different. Madam Folly says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You view pornography... You know it's wrong, but you convince yourself it's okay for you. I'm not hurting anybody. It's secret. I've been doing it since I was a kid. I've been so stressed. It's not really a big deal. And Satan says, that's right. Pull up a chair. Tonight you dine with the dead. 
Which kind of person are you? Are you a wise one or are you a mocker? Have your decisions put you on the path of life or in the shadow of death? Do you accept wisdom's invitation or do you fall into folly's snare? Do you fear and know the Lord or do you reject correction and hate the Lord's instruction? Verse 12 contains an essential warning. If you mock, you alone will bear the consequences. The consequences of being a Christian who pursues folly are intense. Broken marriages, broken homes, addictions, isolation, and all kinds of heartache come from rejecting wisdom. Verse 12 contains that essential warning, but also a promise. If you are wise, you are wise for your own benefit. So how then do we choose wisdom? Well, if you are standing with two invitations and you want to accept the invitation to wisdom, we do so by following verse 10. Fear the Lord and know the Lord. The fear of the Lord in this instance begins with ownership of our sin. It's recognizing that God is holy and we are not. It's ownership of the consequences our sin deserves and the consequences our sin has created. The fear of the Lord begins with grief over our sin. There is such a thing as Christian tears for sin. When's the last time you experienced this? It is right for us to lament our sin, to grieve our time at the table of Madame Folly. The fear of the Lord puts us in a place of grief over our sin, but we're not left there. Remember Jesus' promise in Matthew 5, verse 4. He said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He isn't speaking of common grief in our lives. He's speaking of a mourning for sin, a lament for our foolishness. God pursues sinners. He goes after the foolish. He comforts those who mourn for their sin. He comforts you with mercy and forgiveness. He cleans you and reminds you of your position in Him. And then He invites you to know Him more. Verse 10 tells us to fear the Lord and to know Him. The knowledge of the Lord is learned first through the study of the Bible. The book of Psalms opens this way. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. He meditates in it day and night. Friend, knowing the Lord is accomplished through regular Bible intake. And not only that... But the knowledge of the Lord comes also through living in obedience to His will. The evidence that we know the Lord is not in our ability to spout theological facts. It's in the life that we live. Our knowledge of the Lord is proven through obedience. Quick spoiler alert for you. In a couple of weeks, we're going to study the book of Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes ends this way by saying that all of life boils down to just this one thing. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, fear God and keep his commandments. It's the very same thing we're told here in Proverbs 9:10, fear God and live by our knowledge of him. Take a moment and consider your life. What do you need to do in order to walk in obedience to God? Does wisdom require you to extend forgiveness? Make an apology. Own a wrong you've committed. Learn something new. Reach out for help. Schedule an appointment with a counselor or a therapist. 
There's good news for mockers of all types, for those who have rejected wisdom in any way. Psalm 103 verse 13 gives you this amazing promise. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. When your fear of God results in grief for your sin and your knowledge of God results in living in ways that honor him, then you will find yourself feasting in the house of wisdom. Jesus closes the Sermon on the Mount with this parable in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed, it collapsed with a great crash. Have you heard the word of the Lord today? Will you ignore it and be foolish, or will you follow it and be wise? You've been invited to a feast today. Please come in and eat the bread and drink the wine prepared for you. You will find understanding and life and satisfaction in your God, and only a fool would say no to that. I want to take a moment and speak directly to you if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to be very clear with you to use language from Proverbs 9. Apart from Jesus, your life is ensnared by Madame Folly. She's so clever, you don't even realize it. But this is the truth. You dine with the dead in your everyday life. But God's not content to leave you there. And so he extends to you the invitation for new life. And here's how it works. Even if you've lived a good life by some standard, the bad news is God's expectation is sinless perfection. And no one meets that standard. So the reality is this, your sin separates you from God. There's nothing you can do to fix that gap between you and God. Your own brokenness, your guilt is yours forever. That's bad news, but here's the good news. God loves you and has provided one who can fix this problem. And that's Jesus. Jesus is God who became man. This is so important. Don't miss it. Jesus is not the man who became God or the man who was chosen by God. He's not more than a man or less than a God. He's not all man and no God. He's not all God and no man. He is fully man and he is fully God. And since he is the God man, he did what only he could do and no one else could do for you. He lived a sinless life. And that means he alone is qualified to die for your sin as the sacrificial lamb of God. He's the perfect and only sacrifice for your sin. The sinless son of God died in your place for your folly, for your sin. On the cross, he took all of God's wrath, all of God's judgment against your sin on himself. And three days later, he rose from the dead. When he died for you, he closed that gap between you and God. Your sin became his sin. His righteousness became your righteousness. Just as Lady Wisdom went out in search of people in Proverbs 9, Jesus made a way for you long before you even knew you needed a Savior. The blessings of his death and resurrection are yours when you turn in full from your sin and trust entirely and only in Jesus for your salvation. He will forgive you and he will give you eternal life. When you say yes to Jesus, you find he's already said yes to, do, to you. And so this is the day.
This is your time. Give your life to Jesus today so that your days will be many and eternity will be added to your life. You can express your faith in Christ through a simple and sincere prayer using your own words. Or if you have questions, grab me after the service. I would love to talk about what it means to be a follower of Christ and to walk in the way of wisdom. Let's pray together. Father God, you alone are wise. We thank you for this stark description of the two invitations before us today. I am well acquainted with the path of folly, well acquainted with the snare of foolishness. But God, over and over again, you pour out grace and mercy on us. You have pursued us relentlessly. Thank you for being a God like that. Thank you that when we wake up in Madame Folly's house, we're not left to sort it out on our own, but you are calling for us, leading the way. So Father, let us follow you today out of our foolishness, out of our sin, out of our destructive ways that we would live in the way of wisdom, leave inexperience behind, and walk in the way of life. Father, Holy Spirit, bring conviction in a pointed way on the brother or sister who is living in foolishness right now. Give them the courage and the boldness not only to address it before you in confession and grief, but to reach out for help from those who can support them and encourage them as they pursue wisdom. Give them people who will correct, rebuke, instruct, train, that they would be your child through and through. And Father, for our friends in here that don't know you as their Savior, but today they've heard the invitations and they've heard the message of Christ. Awaken them to faith. Bring new life today as they say yes to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.